the way the Lord has blessed me over the years is putting in my life Kevin and Chris Bryant. Uh, Kevin has known me, we were talking about this yesterday, uh, 35 years, that was before I was a pastor and before I had a beard. He actually saw me without one, so. Um, but uh, this has been uh, just a blessing over the years to keep in touch here and there, but especially the last few years we've enjoyed more fellowship time together. They are in San Antonio, which makes it much nicer, but that's temporary. They're heading to Virginia for the next three months uh, to go back to camp. They are served with the Children's Bible Ministries, and uh, he has come and shared with us on a Wednesday night. He's come and shared with us on a Sunday night, and I am thrilled that he is here this morning to see all of you, and you get a chance to hear as he shares God's word with you and the things that they do. So, Kevin, so glad you're here. Good morning. Uh, it is very good to be here and to see faces, and I, I try to remember names. I do. Um, uh, Chris is my wife. <laughs> yeah. But it happens. It happens. So, uh, it's just good to be here this morning. I just wanted to share briefly just about our ministry before I get into God's Word. We're with Children's Bible Ministries, and Children's Bible Ministries' motto is, win a child, win a life. And so our focus is children. We also work with youth and adults, but we try to reach children where they're at. And we do that with what's called the three C's. The first is classes, the second is correspondence lesson, and the third is camp. With classes, it's a federal law that allows students to be removed from the public school for one hour a month for Bible study. It's been on the books since 1952. Congress approved it. In 1954, the Supreme Court upheld it. And several decisions afterwards have gotten to the Supreme Court. They've upheld it. It's perfectly legal. It's one of the best kept secrets in the United States. Our mission works with about 20,000 public school kids every month. In the United States, there's about 100,000 kids being reached in different types of release time. So we were able to pick them up from the school, bring them to an off-site property, present to them things from God's Word, especially the Gospel, and we see lives touched. We see kids come to know Christ. And what's amazing is sometimes there's teachers that come along with them or bus drivers and we've seen those come to Christ. God does a mighty work there. Besides the classes, we also do correspondence lessons. We give kids mailbox club lessons, and we also provide online lessons for kids to do to, to help disciple them in case they don't have a church to go to. And it also, we, we provide with online lessons it in four different languages. We have it in English, Spanish, Filipino, and Mandarin, sim simplified Chinese. And in that way, we, we're reaching about 93% of all households if they want to do online Bible courses. 
Now, a lot of our camps, uh, what they do are ministries. If you do the correspondence lessons, you get a discount off camp. And some of our camps, it's up to half. Some, it's the full amount of camp for the summer. So a child's able to do lessons. It encourages them. They get to go to camp. And at camp, you get to have them for one week. And there's no distractions. You get to have fun. I know, I assume most of y'all have been to camp of some kind, and it, it's great. But you also get God's word. And we see lives impacted that way as well. So those are the three C's of children's Bible ministries. And again, it, the point is to win a child, win a life. So that's, in a nutshell, what our ministry is. And again, as Bob shared, we have our display back in the back. It's not very necessarily flashy, but it's very personable. It's things that we do and work with. Now, as I was thinking about the message for this morning, I was thinking about uh, what I have taught before in summer camp. One of my favorite books in scripture is Judges, because it reminds me of the time that we live in now. People do what's right in their own eyes, not necessarily what God wants them to do. I see unbelievers doing that, but sometimes I see believers doing it as well. They want to do what's right in their own eyes and not according to God. I also love Judges because Judges shows us uh, guys and women who at their particular juncture in life had handicaps of some kind or another. You know, you have one guy, Othanel, was this younger brother of Caleb. He had to live in light of his older brother. You have uh, Ehud. Ehud was a left-handed man. That was considered a handicap. Uh, you had Deborah. At that time, a woman was considered a handicap. And so you had these different judges, all had handicaps, and God used them mightily where they were at, even though the others would say, oh, that's a handicap. You can't do that. And it's amazing the one judge who had it all, he was just masculine, you know, just a big guy. If you took off my glasses like me, so, and that was Samson. He had it all. He was told from before birth how great he was going to be. And he was the one that failed, showing you that just because you have it all doesn't mean God can use you. It wasn't until his death that God was able to use him when his eyes were finally opened because God had him gouged out. We need spiritual eyes to see. So my desire this morning, as I bring to you the message, is as we look at Genesis, no, sorry, Judges chapter 7, is that you can change the world for Jesus Christ. Judges chapter 7 and I want you to see a man who literally changed his world. He wasn't the outgoing, super-A personality type. He was a shy guy. But God used him to change the world around him, just as God wants to use you to change the world around you. Judges chapter 7, beginning verse 1. Then Jeroboam, that is Gideon, and all the people who were with him, got up early and camped beside the spring of Herod. And the camp of Midian was on the north side of them, by the hill of Morah, in the valley. And the Lord said to Gideon, 
the people who are with you are too many for me to hand Midian over to them. Otherwise, Israel would become boastful, saying, My own power has saved me. Now therefore come, proclaim in the hearing of the people, saying, Whosoever, whoever is afraid and worried is to return and leave Mount Gilead. So 22,000 from the people returned, but 10,000 remained. Then the Lord said to Gideon, The people are still too many. Bring them down to the water, and I will test them for you there. So it shall be that he of whom I say to you, This one shall go with you, he shall go with you. But everyone of whom I say to you, This one shall not go with you, he shall not go. So he brought the people down to the water. Then the Lord said to Gideon, You shall put everyone who laps the water with his tongue as a dog laps in one group, and everyone who kneels down to drink in another. Now the number of those who lapped, putting their hand to their mouth, was 300 men. But all the rest of the people knelt down to drink water. And the Lord said to Gideon, I will save you with the 300 men who lapped, and will hand the Midianites over to you. So have all the other people go, each man to his own home. Let's, let's pray before we get further into God's word. Father, we come before you now, and we thank you for your word. We're thankful for the testimony of Gideon and how you used him in a mighty, mighty way to do your work. This morning, I pray that we'll do a mighty, that you will do a mighty work in our lives, that you'll challenge us to stand up, to be bold, courageous champions for you. Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the great privileges that we have in life as believers, as followers of Jesus Christ, is the fact that Jesus wants to use you. Jesus wants you to use you to make an impact in your home, but greater than that, he wants to use you to make an impact through your life to touch many lives and cause people to come into his kingdom. There was a man named Moses, and God used Moses to change his world. There was a young shepherd boy named David, and God used that young shepherd boy whose own father really didn't believe in him as he should to change his world. Now, I love the fact, as you read through history, what an impact one person can make to change their world. If you think about it, what would Babylon be without Nebuchadnezzar? What would Persia be without Cyrus? What would the Greeks be without Alexander the Great? What would Rome be without Caesar? What would England be with, like without Churchill? What would America be with, like without Washington or Lincoln. Here's my question for you this morning. What's the world going to be like five years from now, 10 years from now? I'm convinced the future of our world is that we wait for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, which I believe is very soon. We can and change, we can change the world around us. Um, we can stand up and we can be bold we can be courageous. We can say, I'll go for the Lord if no one else does. 
Now, I want you to see this morning as we're looking in Judges chapter 7, four types of soldiers Gideon had in his army. And we probably have these four types of soldiers here this morning. I want you to see these four soldiers that Gideon had, and let's all commit to being the very best soldier we can be. The first soldier that we're going to see this morning, Gideon's army, is what I call the complacent soldier. Now, you're here in Judges chapter 7. Let's look back a chapter, chapter, chapter 6, verse 35. Chapter 6, verse 35 says, And he sent messengers throughout Manasseh. And they also were called together to follow him. And he sent messengers to Asher, Zeblin, and Naphtali. And they came up to meet them. Now, here's what's interesting. The Mennonite army is camped out, and they're ready to come and fight the children of Israel. 135,000 of them. So Gideon kind of sends out the Paul Revere's of that day. Come on, come on, come on. We have a fight. You must come out and help us fight. He sends them to four tribes. Hey, come on, come fight. We need you. We're in a battle. We're dependent upon you. We're, we're in a battle today. The devil's unloading on the church like he has never done before. And I say this morning, come on, come on, come on. We need you. We need you to fight that good fight of faith. You may say, you know, uh, let's say I'm a uh, serviceman. I'm in the Air Force or something, or I'm... I'm a farmer, you know, I'm a housewife, I'm a student. Can God use me? Yes, he can. He can use you to change the world, but he needs you to come out and fight. So the Paul Revere's of that day come back to Gideon. Let's look back at chapter 7 again, verse 3 that we read. Judges chapter 7, verse 3. Now therefore come... Proclaim in the hearing of the people, saying, Whoever is afraid and worried is to return and leave Mount Gilead. So 22,000 from the people returned, but 10,000 remained. Notice that last phrase. So 22,000 from the people returned, but 10,000 remained. Now that's all the people that came out. 22,000 and 10,000. You don't have to get out your calculator to do the math. We're talking 32,000. Hey, we will fight. We'll stand up for the cause. Our country needs us. We'll be there. You say, great. How are these guys complacent? Well, from Numbers 26, we realized that Manasseh had 52,700 available fighting men. From number 26, we know the tribe of Naphtali had 45,400 available fighting men. The tribe of uh, Asher had 53,400 available fighting men. The tribe of Zebulun had 60,500 available fighting men. So you put those four tribes together and you come up, again with the math, 212,000 available fighting men. And of those 212,000 that were available and able, able to fight, only 32,000 came out to fight. 
Where were the rest of them? What were they doing? They were at home, complacent. Oh, they don't need me. I'm just going to have a good time. I'm going to stay where I'm at. And sadly, there might be in this congregation a portion that I pray, you know, it's a small portion, that are just complacent. Oh, I just want to live. I just want to have a good time. They don't ask me to get involved in church. Don't ask me to do the things that the Lord has said. Let me just stay where I'm at, complacent. I don't want to stand up and take leadership. No doubt there are some here today, and there was a time when you were on fire for the Lord. You were in love with Jesus, and you wanted to stand for right, even if no one else would stand for right, and those days have passed, and you're just complacent. Amos chapter 6, verse 1 says, Woe to those who are carefree in Zion. 1 Corinthians 15, 34 says, Sober up morally and stop sinning, for some have no knowledge of God. I say this to your shame. The first soldier in Gideon's army was a complacent soldier. Who will come and fight for the Lord if no one else will? We need those who are not complacent. Vladimir Lenin said, I would rather have a hundred fanatics than a thousand plastic soldiers. And we need some men who will sell out to God. We need some ladies who will sell out to God. We need men and women who will give their lives to Jesus Christ totally. So the first soldier in Gideon's army was complacent. Now I want you to notice the second soldier in Gideon's army, and that's in verse 2. And the Lord said to Gideon, the people who are with you are too many for me to hand Midian over to them. Otherwise, Israel will become boastful, saying, mine own power has saved me. Now, therefore, come, proclaim in the hearing of the people, saying, whoever is afraid and worried is to return and leave Mount Gilead. So 22,000 from the people returned, but 10,000 remained. Notice those words, whoever is afraid. Worried, cowardly, chicken. Send them home. We don't need chickens. The second type of soldier in Gideon's army was the cowardly soldier. Now, you, you understand 32,000 came out. They're going up against 135,000. They're outnumbered at its time four and a quarter to one. And God says, Gideon, no, you got too many. No, 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 no. Those guys will say, hey, we did it. We took down those guys, like four and a quarter to one. All of us took down four and a quarter soldier. I don't know how you get a quarter soldier. That's how the math works out to be when I do the calculation. But um, they're going to say, no, we did it. We, we did it. And God says, no, 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 you got too many. You go and say, anyone who's afraid, anyone who's scared, go home. We don't need you. Listen, of the 32,000 that they had there, which was not a large number, considering who they were going against, 22,000 went home. Sadly, 
to say that there's way too many Christians who are cowards. Oh, they come to church, and when they get to church, they'll sing, oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. But on Monday or on Tuesday when they're out in the world, they just want to be with their friends. They want to go with the flow. They don't want to stand up for Jesus. They're not going to do what's right. And again, some of us are just like that. One day you're saying, I love Jesus. And the next day, it's like you're wearing a bag on your head and saying, I love the world. Because you're a coward. And we don't need cowards in the Lord's army. I say, if the Lord be God, serve him. Serve him with all your might. Isaiah chapter 48, verse 11. For my own sake, for my own sake I will act. For how can my name be profaned, and I will not give my glory to another? Proverbs 29, verse 25. The fear of man brings a snare, but one who trusts in the Lord will be protected. There was a soldier in Alexander the Great's army who, in the heat of battle, a young soldier, he ran for the fear that he would be killed. He was found and brought before Alexander the Great. And with great vengeance, he was about to execute judgment. The man fell on his knees, fell at Alexander and said, if you spare my life, I will be the best soldier that you ever had. It says that Alexander had mercy on him and said, let me never hear of you ever again running in the heat of battle, running away cowardly. And he said, I will. And so that young man, as he's leaving the tent, Alexander stops him and say, wait a minute. What's your name? And he says, with his head down, Alexander. Oh, you could say, Alexander, it says he was filled with rage. And he told that young man, change your name or change the way you're living. And the same thing with us. If we name the name of Christ, our lives should be different. We don't need to be complacent. We don't need to be cowardly. We need to have boldness. We need to say, yes! I mean, we'll jump up sometimes when a, our team wins. And yes, we need to be the same way with the things of the Lord. Yes, I'm not shrinking back. All this is getting burned up one day. I'm going to live for the Lord and do the things he's called me to do. Now we're going to look at verse 4. We're going to notice the third type of soldier in Gideon's army. We see the complacent soldier. We see the cowardly soldier. Now we're going to see the careless soldier. Verse 4, Then the Lord said to Gideon, The people are still too many. Bring them down to the water, and I will test them for you there. So it shall be that he of whom I say to you, This one shall go with you, he shall go with you. But every one of whom I say to you, This one shall not go with you, he shall not go. So he brought the people down to the water. Then the Lord said to Gideon, you shall put everyone who laps the water with his tongue as a dog laps in one group, and everyone who kneels down to drink in another. 
Now the number of those who lapped, putting their hand to their mouth, was 300 men, but the rest of the people knelt down to, to drink water. So now this is what happens. They're down to 10,000 soldiers, and they're outnumbered 13 and a half to one. God says, wait a minute, Gideon. You still have too many. If you send those guys out and they kill 13 plus soldiers to every one of them, they're just going to be prideful. No, no, no. You got to do something. Take them down to the river. And those like a good soldier who gets down and they look both ways and they dip, those are the ones you want. You don't want the ones who stick their heads down in the water. You don't want them because they're careless. They're going to pull your army down. You send them home. So that's what Gideon does. The one who gets down like a good soldier, 300 of them. He sends the other 9,700 of them home. You say, why? They weren't cowards. They didn't go home because they were afraid. They stayed. They wanted to fight. Why did they get sent home? Because they were careless. Good people, yes. Loved the Lord, yes. But they were careless. Listen, there's uh, some teenagers here today, and they might be careless. There's young people here today, and they might be careless. There's some older adults, uh, more mature adults, and they're, you know, sometimes you can be careless. Do you love Jesus? Yes, you love Jesus. Do you want to serve Jesus? Yes, you want to serve him. But you're careless. You're not taking precautions to protect your name, protect your reputation, and you're falling into sin. Not because you're a wicked person, but just because you're careless. You say, what areas am I careless in? Well, many, many times, teenagers and adults, they're careless in what they look at. There are many opportunities through the internet, through the TV, sometimes even on your cell phone, to get involved with wickedness. All because you're careless. All because you do not take the proper safeguards to protect yourself, and it'll hurt you. It'll ruin your name. It'll ruin your testimony. You'll get caught up in Satan's grip. Because you're a bad person? No, because you're careless. Luke chapter 11, verse 34 says, Your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eye is clear, your whole body also is full of light. But when it is bad, your body also is full of darkness. And to, to Satan, some of y'all, you're not cowards. You're not complacent. But you're careless. Some of y'all are careless in what you listen to. I've been there. Sometimes what I listen to, sometimes being around the wrong people and their negativism will pull you down. Many of times, we, you know, I hear parents saying, my son or my daughter, they were doing okay until they started hanging out with this particular crowd. And that crowd pulled them down. Now, I want to say that sometimes, you know, people think, is it really that wicked? It is, is it really that wrong? Rather than thinking, okay, I want to be as holy 
and righteous as I can, they get over here and they say, I want to see how close I can get. Rather than being holy and righteous on this side, they're saying, is it really that bad? Is it really that wrong? And it's wrong thinking. Why do I want to see how close I can get to evil when I should be trying to get as close to God as I possibly can? I want to be as separate as I can. I don't want to be a careless soldier. Now, granted, we live in the world. I'm not saying, you know, you can't leave the world. Paul shows us that, tells us that. You can't get out of the world, live in the world, but live as a light, live as salt around you. So let me show you the last soldier in Gideon's army, and we'll be done. This is what I call the courageous or complacent soldier. Verse 7 says, And the Lord said to Gideon, I will save you with the 300 men who lapped, and will hand the Midianites over to you. So have all the other people go, each man to his own home. Now that's what, ha that's what happened. Those 300 men, they're surrounding the 135,000 Midianites. Now, if you do the calculation, they're outnumbered at this time 450 to 1. 450 to 1. Rambo can't beat those odds. <laughs> so Gideon says, troops, uh, we have a job to do. We have a mission to do. Let's go fight for the Lord. Now, there's a verse that I, I love in 1 Samuel chapter 14, verse 6. It was something Jonathan said. Behold, the Lord is not limited to saving by many or by few. When you say, what can one person do? One person can do a lot. If there's a small band of dedicated believers in a school, you can stand for the Lord. If there's a small group at your work, you can stand for the Lord. Maybe sometimes it even happens there's a small group in your house. There's a separation. Some are following God and some aren't. Stand for the Lord. I want to be a champion. I want to be a conqueror. I'm going to stand for the Lord. Now, what if it loved to have been there with Gideon? Troops, we have a job to do. We're going to go and fight for the Lord. We're not going to be careless. We're not going to be cowards. We're not going to be complacent. We're going to be conquerors for the Lord. So they're all pumped up. 450 to 1. God will save us. God will fight for us. Let's go for, fight for the Lord outnumbered. 450 to 1. So you say, okay, General Gideon, what's our weapons? You know, at this point, I would have been looking for hand grenades, bazookas, F-16s, a tank, anything like that. I was in artillery in the Army. I'd be looking for some heavy equipment. All right, let's go fight for the Lord. Now, you're wanting some good weapons. So Gideon comes out and says, okay, boys, Here's our first weapon. He gives them a jug. <laughs> Could you see those guys? You've given me a jug. Well, I guess that's in case I get thirsty. Uh, then he says, all right, weapon number two. I got a horn for everyone. Could you imagine these guys? A horn? What am I going to do, blow out their eardrums? 
So, okay, so I got a jug, I, I got a horn, you know, you know, just imagine, what are they thinking? So Gideon says, okay, here's weapon number three. They're saying, here it comes, okay? We have a machine gun. And it says in verse 16, basically, he handed out to them, it was large candles, torches, but still, it's basically large candles. Uh, can you see those guys, man? I would have loved to have been there. Listen, God is going to do a great work in our day, and he's going to use people to do that. He's not going to be using the ones who are strong or intellectuals. He's God. He's looking for some champions, some conquerors, who will just say, I'm going to do what's right. I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going to be as holy and as po possible as I can. So you see these guys, and they, they come out with these three weapons, the jug, the horn, and the candle. Now, notice down in verse 17, it says, Then he said to them, Look at me and do likewise. And behold, when I come to the outskirts of the camp, do as I do. He says, Follow the leader. Do what I do. Listen, if you can't stay under authority right where you're at, God's probably not going to use you. If you can't obey your parents, God's not going to use you. It's very, very unusual for God to ever use you unless you can submit to authority. Maybe you have a boss and you go, I have a terrible boss. God wants you to submit to authority and be a believer, be a Christian, and be a light to those around you. So they're thinking, we're going to do this. We're going to go surround these Midianites, and we're going to um, do these things, and Gideon tells them, okay, we're going to blow our trumpets. We're going to have the jugs over the candles, uh, break the jugs, hold up the candles, and say, for the Lord and for Gideon. Can you see these guys, though, as Gideon's telling them these things? Could you see their expression on their face going, that's the plan? Well, if that's what the Lord has said, that's the plan. He says, you know, we're going to do it. Now, just imagine if the complacent soldier would have been there. They would have said, who came up with this plan? This is crazy. This is stupid. I'm not going to do that. If you had been a cowardly soldier, you're going to say, we're going to die. We're going to die. We're going to die. If you'd been the careless crowd, you would have said, okay, we're going to blow what? We're going to do what? We're going to break what? Because they're careless. We need soldiers who follow the orders, do it directly, and do what they're supposed to do. So at that time, they surround the Midianites. Gideon gives a sign. They blow their trumpets. They break their jugs. They hold up their candles and yell, by the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And God moves in and confounds these guys, and about 120,000 of them start fighting among themselves and kill themselves, and the rest of them run off. So about 15,000 run off. And why did all that happen? Because of these 300 men being great? Or being wise or intellectual? No, because they did what the Lord told them to do. Was Gideon some super guy? 
No, he wasn't. He was a very shy person. But God used him because he did what God told him to do. When you get that still small voice telling you from God's word, this is what I want you to do, listen to it and do what he tells you to do. Now, it's interesting, the news gets back to the complacent crowd. The news gets back to this careless crowd and the cowardly crowd. And it says in verse 23 of chapter 7, And the men of Israel were summoned from Naphtah, Asher, and Almanasseh, and they pursued the Midianites. Can you see that? Because 300 men did what was right. The Lord used them to stand for righteousness. It inspired the others to do what they were supposed to do. Come and stand for righteousness. Come and stand for godliness. And some of y'all, we just need to say, if no one else does what's right, I'm going to do what's right. I'm going to stand for the Lord. I'm going to do what he told me to do in his word. I'm going to believe his word. And God's going to use you. I want to close quickly because I've run over time. I promised Bob that I'd finish early to make him look bad. <laughs> People would love me. Get to go home early, but we finished up, and I just want to tell you about this young guy. He was from the Bronx of Chicago. His name was Milton Olive III. Didn't have much of a family life. Didn't really know his father, but he always had this dream to be a Green Beret. He had it in elementary school, through junior high, high school. He graduated. He immediately went off to the military. He became a modeled officer. He was offered to be a Green Beret. He jumped at it. He took that offer. He joined them. He did all the training and, again, continued to be a model officer. He worked and strived to be the best soldier he could be, and he was shipped off for his country, and he was on the ground one day. He's in a place called Vietnam. He's sitting on his bed cleaning his boots. A couple of his superiors were at the table discussing battle plans against the enemy. So again, he's on the ground for one day in a place called Vietnam. He noticed something shiny rolling into the tent. Being a good soldier, he immediately dove on that grenade. And he went into eternity. Our country owes him and others like it for the dedication that he had. My charge to you this morning, whether you're a young person, young adult, older adult, God wants to use you. If you're not complacent, if you're not cowardly, if you're not, great, uh, not careless, he wants to use you wherever you're at. And I'll, I'll be honest as I close this, there have been times in my own life I've been complacent. I knew the Lord was telling me to do something, but I was complacent. Yeah. I'll tell my wife, some, you know, that Chris, that the Lord was telling me to do something, I didn't do it, and he'd get my attention. There's been times when I've been cowardly. I knew I should do something, but I held my tongue. There's times in my life that I've been careless. I was 
doing something I should not have been de doing, and the Lord, again, got my attention. But there's times that the Lord has made me a conqueror. Why? Because as somebody special, I'm dyslexic. I have trouble reading. English, my wife's a high school English teacher, like, and opposites attract. She helped me pronounce different names in the Bible I could not pronounce. As Bob said this morning in Sunday school class, just say it with conviction and people think you know what you're talking about. <laughs> but God can use you wherever you're at, whatever age you're at. I, I was a missionary for a while and the Lord took me out of that. And then I'm trying to remember how old we were, 54, 55, and God called us back. It doesn't matter what age you are, God wants to use you. And let's try to be the best soldier God wants you to be. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for being able to look at your word this morning. And Lord, we, we thank you for the example of Gideon. Lord, we pray that we would stand up and do what's right. Lord, I know you could use 300 people around the world right now sharing the gospel. But Lord, you could use 30 you could use one. Lord, if there's someone here today who knows God's been drawing them to do things for you, for your honor and glory, I pray that you'd work on them, bring others into their life through the Holy Spirit to encourage them to be used by you. Lord, help us all to stand up, especially in the day we're living in, not to do what's right in our own eyes, but doing what's right in your eyes. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.